Welcome back to the Simplest Complex podcast. I'm your host, Soren Hummingbird. Today, I am joined by John Kish. Hey, John Kish, are you ready to answer the Trinity questions? I think so. Let's do it. Okay. Are you free? I am free. Are you open? I am open. Are you ready to talk about us instead of we and I? I am ready to talk about us instead of we and I. Let's do it, man. Okay, right, let's do it. Uh, so today, audience, we're going to be talking about our personal journeys with God um, and however you want to perceive God to be. Um, I'm going to let John Kish uh, tell us a little about his journey uh, about God and how he defines God in his life. So go ahead. You got the table, man. All right. So I think probably my, my journey with God has to have started out with growing up in Washington, D.C., Okay. Part of a conservative Catholic family. Okay. And if you haven't visited DC, I mean, even the stereotypes, everyone knows, like it's not, there's a, there's a bit of a disconnect and oh, sure. a lot of what my journey has been, has been trying to figure out what's right. What's, what's truth. What's true. Yeah. Because the, I was all, there was always this kind of like this conflict back and forth between what my family believed, uh, okay. what, my peers believed either at, you know, like a private Christian school for elementary yeah. or public middle school. It's kind of like, no one, no one really seems to agree on what it is. So the question is, what's true? What am I supposed to believe at the end of the day? And you know, and that, it's okay to not know. I think that's what's beautiful about God is that we just, he transcends us. So, I mean, sorry to butt in, but tell me a little bit about what these beliefs are. You know, what, what your conservative uh, side believes and what is that, I, I would say liberal because DC is really liberal, um, <laughs> you know, at the public school system and whatnot, as you probably have witnessed in Montgomery County. Um, so what are those two viewpoints of God? I guess the, the two viewpoints, the first one is, you know, God is according to the, the Catholic faith. He's according, he's set out according to this tradition and you know, that's the way we view God. And part of being a good Christian and living well is doing these things that are associated with it, going to mass, mm -hmm. uh, participating in the sacraments, growing as Christians. Mm -hmm. So there was always this set view. Whereas I think the more liberal side was, well, it was either nobody really knows. It was kind of like, you know, it was, it was either, I guess, an atheist approach of like, God isn't real and they're bullshitting you. Oh, yeah. It was no, more kind sure. of like, uh, I guess just, I don't know, man, and nobody knows. Yeah, no, for sure. I, uh, I've kind of had similar, I've kind of had a similar kind of way. I kind of grew up, uh, I didn't grow up in a conservative Christian household, um, but I uh, grew up Catholic. Uh, my mom was hardcore Catholic, still is, but was pretty liberal about it. Um, I went to a, a Catholic school, a middle school, and I also went to a public school. Uh, so I got to see the atheist views too, as well as participating in the sacraments and mass and whatnot. And I don't know about you, but both of them kind of felt wrong to me. I don't know how you feel. I think, I think for me, it was always kind of, it was a question of my friends versus my family, because with my friends, everyone wants to be like their peers. And when your peers pretty much like wholeheartedly as like a homogenous group, you know, come from atheist families or families that just weren't practicing. It's kind of like, you're the, you're the black sheep of that. 
sure. but at the same time with the, with your family it just there was this frustration of i was always asking like you know why i kept looking for justification uh you know why should i go to mass why should i do all these different things that was always the question yeah and it, sometimes it felt like with the conservative side with you know my elementary school or sunday school and things like that it was kind of like I couldn't give you an answer it was just uh because and then that was it and that never that never satisfied me fully but i ultimately looking back on it because i think i've been able to overcome this problem in a way it's led to so many good things i for one thing it's taught me suffering which is that you know that conflict you don't really know what to choose friends or family catholicism atheism or i don't know not religious it's it sparked a spirit of wanting to know what the truth is and being open to other viewpoints because that's something that's been a fundamental part of my growing up. Oh, so they yeah. just taught me human beings want the truth. They want the things that are real and it's very hard for them to sit with something if you don't exactly know what it is. So it's, it's really, it was a fire in my soul in a lot of ways. Yeah. So I'll tell you a little bit about what happened to me and how I kind of, I'm very, I'm a, I agree with you a hundred percent, man. I am going to be honest with you. I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, I honestly, up until recently was not a believer, even though I was practicing. I, you know, always had this conflict of, you know, do I actually believe or like, am I just going through the motions? Yep. You know? And for me, that kind of felt wrong. Um, and then about two weeks ago, man, um, actually three, I should say three weeks ago, I started praying because I was, I just suffered my whole life, man. Like everything just was sad, just suffering. And I finally just sat down because of COVID, you know, I was by myself. My mom was going through some health issues. So I kind of isolated myself. I sat down in my silence and asked God and I actually prayed for once, I actually truly prayed. And I was like, I want to be happy. I just want to be happy, God. I don't know what this happiness is going to be. I don't even know what it's going to look like, but just show me signs. Like, that's it. That's all I need, man. Is just, I just need some signs because I don't know. You know, I don't know what this happiness is going to be. I mean, I have no, I've only no suffering. So I have nothing to compare it to. And, and after that, man, I had a mental breakdown. I had a full blown mental breakdown. I don't even remember anything about it. I, it was, it was really bad. I got in handcuffs. I was in an ambulance. I ended up in a psychiatric ward. Before, really? Yeah, it was really intense. Um, and during this episode, I saw a white light. I don't remember anything but a white light, man. That's all I remember. And I ended up in a hospital and I was just drained. I had nothing, man. I had no energy. I don't even remember my name. I told them my name was Christian Casades, and I was born in 1977. I don't, that's not me. My name is Christian Olivas. I was born in 1997, you know? I kind of gave them my parents' information. Casades is my mom's maiden name. Uh, 1977 is the year my dad was born. Um, and nothing made sense. Like, I don't, I, I like have amnesia. And so now I was in the psychiatric ward, and I felt God. That was the first time I felt God, man was when I was in the psychiatric ward, when I was able to see all the forgotten people, the people that everyone says is crazy. I was like, they're not crazy. This, like, they actually make sense to me. 
I don't know what it is, but they felt good. And the, the forgotten people. Tell me more about that. Yeah. The, so it's the, the crazies, you know, the people in the psychiatric ward is the homeless. Right, right. Was there, there was a guy named John Doe. He lost it to so bad um, in his schizophrenia that he doesn't even remember his own name. And he was just spewing random stuff. And everyone just kind of ignored them. The nurses, the doctor, you know, it was just kind of like maltreatment. I was just like, this is sickening to me. And I know I'm not crazy. And everyone told me I was, the nurses, the doctors. And I'm like, I know I'm not crazy. I, I was just stressed out, you know? But I was like, there's something I have to see here. I don't know what this is. And I don't know why I have to see it. And this scares me. This scares me. Um, and I learned how to pray. My, my bunkmate, he, I, I honestly forget his name because I don't really want to remember it. Um, he taught me how to pray. Like he was a, honestly, he probably was smoking crack, PCP, and was doing a lot of drugs. Like he was a addict for sure. And he's been arrested and he's been in and out of jail his whole life. And I was just like, oh shit. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is my bunkmate. But I was like, you know what? Let me give this man a chance. And he had a Bible and he was like, hey man, do you think you can read to me a little bit? I was like, sure. I'll absolutely read the Bible to you. And he's just like, it's like, what do you want me to read? And he's just like, whatever your heart tells you, just open it up. And so I picked up the Bible. It was just the New Testament and Psalms. Uh, it was not even Old Testament stuff. And I pick it up, you know, in my grief, I was just like, you know, let me just open it up. And I open it up and I just started reading to him and he calmed down. I was just like, oh man, is this, and I felt calm after he felt calm. Mm -hmm. I was like, is this, is this God? Is this feeling God right here? And then I started writing, you know, I, I started writing in my notebook and I was like, oh, I'm almost done with it too. And that was like two weeks ago. And then I, I saw another person, his name was Wes. And he was just an angry guy, you know, just really angry. Just life has just make, made him suffer and made him go crazy. He was also hardcore conservative. I'm liberal. I'm actually moderate. I'm going to be honest. I'm moderate, man. I, I don't really, I don't like liberalism. I don't like conservatism. I'm probably, I'm just in the middle. Mm -hmm. uh, he was conservative. And he was talking about Trump and blah, blah, blah. And you know what? I was like, you know what? Let me just listen to this man. And I just started writing and just writing. And I was like, oh my God, like I see their perspectives. I see them. Like they truly believe these things. And that's when I discovered, I was like, God is just a belief. And everyone kind of perceives him in their own special way. And after I left, man, like I started this podcast and everything just started clicking more. I was just like, good things started happening once I was accepting of this energy, this, or God, or however you want to perceive him to be. Because I don't think, like my personal belief, I don't think he is in the Catholic church. I don't think so. Uh, the reason I think this is because, you know, we're celebrating white Jesus, we're not celebrating God. You know, the Jesus was black. You know, it's even said in the Bible and described. And it's kind of like that golden cow kind of uh, parable. You know, we, we stuck this idol on top of the cross and that's not him. And that's how I perceive God. I don't know what you think. You know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. I, I understand and agree with that a lot. There's, 
I think the main connection that I'm thinking of right now is how do we express God in any other way except for the way that we understand him? Yeah. So for, for human beings, it's hard for us to imagine what God really is. I don't like Catholics don't actually believe God is an old bearded man in the sky. <laughs> if we did, that would be bizarre. And, yeah. you know, there was a, there's an ancient Greek philosopher who said if cows could draw, they would draw God as a cow. And there's some, there's some truth to that, right? We, yeah. we see the divine in ourselves in some way. Yeah. And I think that's because it's the only way, the only way that we can really comprehend it is like ourselves. Yeah. Um, and for understanding the Catholic church's approach, I think if you, if you go to Italy, yeah, you're going to see God as an, you're going to see Jesus as a little Italian baby. But if you go to the church in Korea or actually at the national shrine at, you know, the Catholic university of America, there are, you know, I think like 50 different statues of Mary as different ethnicities of different religions. And there's actually one where there's one statue where Jesus and Mary are slaves being taken off the slave boat. That's a shrine in the, in the, that's like a small little part of the national shrine. So I think the beauty of Catholicism is that it's universal. Everyone can come to the table there and see the divine as related to their heritage um, and also a part of it. I think because we're in Europe and America, you know, the primary image you see is as a European. Yeah. But yeah. that does not mean in any way that other ethnicities like can't find Christ here or that Christ is one ethnicity or the other. Yeah. He's, he's divine and he's created all races and yeah, seen them yeah. as fully good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. That's an interesting thought. I never thought, I, I mean, again, that's from coming from my skepticism, you know, and you know, I've come to realize in my meditations mm -hmm. that God is everything and he's nothing, you know, he's, he's where you want him to be. He's where you want to perceive him to be. And I didn't perceive him as the Catholic church, at least until you said something, to be honest. It's, um, it's a journey. It's a journey. And I think yeah. what you've, what you've just told me about how you don't, you under, you say, I don't have faith Lord, but I would desire happiness. I think that's the most that you can ask of any person because when I was growing up, I considered myself an atheist. And my journey back to belief was not through just saying like, okay, I'm going to believe in God and that'll be the end of it. It was through long, long nights of just asking, Lord, if you're out there, I don't know what's real and what's not, but whatever it is, you know, if you're real, grant me the faith to believe in you. If you're not real, I'm just wasting my time. But faith is a gift that has to be asked for. It's not something that if you don't have it, that's a sin against you. It's, you need to ask for it. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's such a, such a crazy thought. And then, you know, I'm a, I'm a sinner, man. We um, all are. There, there are, there are no people who are not sinners. Yeah. Like I've done some messed up things. I've like things that I'm not proud of, you know? And I think because of my ego, my ego, it prevented me from seeing the beauty in my sin that because Jesus died for our sins, you know? So if our sins are forgiven, is it, isn't it that part of our journey to sin? You know, in a way, you know, there's in a, in a way human, human beings are fallible. 
and part of falling is you know the glory of getting back up again there's actually there's a part of there's this debate in theology of did god allow adam and eve to sin in the first place so that jesus christ could come to earth and reveal himself really that's insane when you think about it the fall happened so that humanity could be redeemed and whether that's actually the case, I don't think we'll ever know unless we're, we've reached heaven and that sort of thing is revealed to us at the end of the age. But it's still insane when you think about, you know, we're, we're human, we sin, we fall, but this can contribute to our greater glory through redeeming ourselves, through coming back to Christ and being more devoted to improvement and just trust. Because if we never sinned, I mean, would we need God as much or would it just be like, Oh, I'm okay. You know, I'm, I'm a good guy. There's, there are so many stories in the Bible of people who like think that they're free from sin, but that only makes their situation that much worse because they don't have the humility to understand that they are sinful. Yeah, for sure, man. That's, that's a crazy thought. I don't know how that is, is. Us feel about that. You know, um, I feel for me, I feel like sin is the one thing that connects us because we all are sinners. Mm -hmm. You know, I found my connection in a psychiatric ward. <laughs> you know, that's how I found God. Yep. Um, and at, our, at our lowest points. Yeah. At our lowest, man, when we've hit rock bottom where youth, like there's literally, I had no energy, man. I had none. I had nothing. I couldn't move. I couldn't think. All I could do was just sit and observe. Yeah. That's all I could do was just sit and observe. Like all the, all the people that were called crazy, I didn't see them as crazy. I saw them as just normal human beings that are just lost. You know, just yeah. got lost. And, you know, I feel like those seven deadly sins, if they are commanded by our Ten Commandments, you know, I think that's the path to God, you know, making sure you've just followed the Ten Commandments. And even if you do sin, you know, you don't break your commandments. Like, that's kind of how I, I've like started perceiving this journey to God, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't it's, know what you think. It's falling and endlessly getting back up again. I think <laughs> just connecting to what you said about your lowest point, this is also probably, this is another part of, I don't know, just in my past. Yeah, go ahead. Go I, ahead. So since I have ADD, and if, which is like ADHD, but it's less hyperactive and more, your brain goes off into space every five seconds. Um, <laughs> and that, that meant I struggled as a kid. So, yeah. you know, my parents would take me to these, uh, these doctors who would say like, oh, you know, your son is like a genius. He's 99th percentile intelligence. But I didn't fucking feel like it. Yeah, like, you know, they can, there's this expectation of you're really smart. Um, but then it's like, well, then why are my grades shit? Why do I, why do I come home never being good enough? And at the same time, I mean, you and I, we play rugby together, but as a kid, I was fucking shit at sports. Cause I was like, I was literally like the skinny nerdy kid with glasses. So you suck at, you suck at grades, you suck at uh, sports and you're, you feel a little awkward. So it's like, can't really make friends either. John, I, just feel like you. Me. I feel like I'm talking to myself, man. I, hey, man. I like, I was a, I was a fat kid who was terrible at sports. I was yep. the opposite. Uh, I was the nerdy kid with glasses. 
I had a speech impediment. I had a huge stutter. I used to go to speech therapy all the time as a kid. Yeah. And, you know, my grades were shit um, up until high school. And I went to public school. And that's, that was just too easy for me. I mean, I was just a terrible student because I would just be asleep and I would still get A's and B's. And that's when I kind of realized I was smart, but I wasn't being challenged. And then I went to college at 18 years old to San Diego State. And I failed, man. Oh, I failed. I failed out. <laughs> and then that's when I started going on this journey. Uh, but sorry to interrupt you, man. I just wanted to tell you, like, I, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think it's connected to what a lot of people go through as kids. Um, and that just led to this kind of like self-esteem problem that throughout, you know, middle school, high school, well, even in some cases now, like it's still kind of there, but it's just, this like, you got to be good enough. You keep working till you're good enough till, you know, you're getting the good grades till you're doing well in sports till you're, I don't know, like you're super popular with all your friends that drive just gets pounded into you. And there was one point in senior year of high school where I remember looking back at kind of my journey and just being falling into this despair mm. of it's not going to get better because this is like, like who I am, my, my hardwired personality. Yeah. It's just the case that I keep going through life, you know, being like smart, but not good at sports, not socially great. And it just led to this depression, pretty similar to what you experience, like no energy. You just like, what is the point of continuing to go? Yeah. That, that was also where I think just this huge turnaround of, for one thing, it's not, you don't need to be so hard on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> for another thing, like God created you with a plan. There is a reason for this. Suffering is horrible and it's a terrible thing, but it, it factors into that. It creates you into who you're meant to be. And that is always a beautiful thing. Yeah, no, for sure, man. Like, because I've like, all I've known was suffering. I was a pretty popular kid in high school. Um, and I was pretty good at sports in high school, but like, I always felt like I didn't belong. Like yeah. I was with the geeky kids. I was like, I was playing Pokemon in class. Um, <laughs> I, I was on the rugby team. I started actually, I started the rugby team in my high school and my senior year, I led us to an undefeated season and a championship against Landon. That's awesome. Yeah. It was, it was a beautiful thing. And I did that with my co-captain, uh, Isaiah Harris. And that was like my one and true friend. And I've come to realize, man, popularity and all that, it's a bunch of horseshit. Um, yeah. Excuse my language, you know? I don't, I don't care. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, if the audience cares, excuse my language, audience. Um, but it is. Being popular is horseshit. I think you should just be who you are. And it's okay to just have one or two good, really good friends you know, that, that just accept you for you. I think that's all we want is just acceptance. Yeah, I think that that connects to some insights I've made about looking back on these, these, this journey, struggling with discovering the truth, self-acceptance, self-esteem, things like that. It, it's led me to these kind of like core principles of what do, what do I want as an individual and what I think connects to a broader human desire. Uh, first one is truth. And that's the being Catholic in DC. We desire the truth. We hate being lied to. There's nothing worse than the feeling of somebody that you know and trust, like lied to you about something because we desire the truth. 
Yeah. The other parts of it are community or friendship, love. I think that's connected into that. Yeah. Or social animals. We need other people. We desire connection with another person. Even talking to you right now is a, it's a beautiful thing because that's part of a deep, deep human desire for connection. Yeah. Like I, I feel, I feel God in this conversation or this energy, mm-hmm. um, the flow. I, I, I've kind of perceived God as like many things, you know, I think he's all religions. I think he's everything, you know, and he's not in just one place. Um, Cause then where's the fun in that? I think God's a jokester too. Like, I think he's like, you know, being part like he knows what human beings are and we like to laugh so would god also want to laugh you know he's like i don't there's know a, there's a christian thinker by the name of gk chesterton he's like a early 1900s british guy and he wrote this story about god is what if god is like a little child that every day he watches the sun rise and sad and people go out through through their lives and he's pure joy and when it's all over he says do it again do it again like a baby because he's so fascinated with the small things the beautiful things in life that people when they become jaded when they lose that spark we're like there's something missing there's something wrong and god embodies that perfectly just this joy of do it again do it again every part of reality is a work of art and it's something that God continuously plays again because it is beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like God led like to think that such a divine being has made it even just this moment, this conversation to even happen. And even like our listeners, you know, there's someone listening, right? Like going to be listening to this podcast right now um, in their present time. And God made that happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like, it's, I don't know if you know about Rube Goldberg projects. Um, just like a bunch of random uh, sequence of events to put like a ball in a cup or something. Hmm. You know, no, I'm not familiar with it. Um, so basically it's a science project where if I got a, do- it's like the domino effect, but it's not okay. dominoes. It's just like a bunch of random things. Like if I use this, this sticky notepad, and I placed it somehow and I put it like a Himalayan salt lamp and I tipped over to Himalayan salt lamp. And it uh, you know what? I do know what you're talking about. All these small things that seem random, but once the, the ball is moving around, it leads to this connection of the ball getting in the cup. Yeah. And I which think- is very, very much a good way to think about <laughs> the, the ups and downs of life. Yeah. And that's kind things of- Things that seem out of place are not. Are yeah. Not. I mean, it's like, I don't think, I don't think coincidences are just coincidences, man. I think they're just, they're signs that like, Hey, wake up, (laughs) you know, I think God, absolutely. God just, he shows us signs all the time, you know, but he wants us to choose him. You know, it's like, it's like going back to love, you know, love can't be just Mm one-sided, you know, it's gotta be a two-way street you know, the wife and the husband, or even husband and husband or wife and wife, I don't care, do you, that's out of my control, I shouldn't care. Um, That's a two-way street, you know, it's you're choosing to love the other person, and both parties are choosing to love one another, Yeah. you know, and I feel like when that balance is messed up, that's when adultery kind of gets into place, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, 
like I feel like adultery is like that counteractive moment where one person doesn't really truly desire the other person anymore. That two-way yeah. street becomes a one-way street. And, I don't, and then the other person has to go another path. I don't know. I feel like there's a balance in everything. I feel like suffering does have a purpose. I don't know how you feel about that. I, I definitely would agree with you know, a lot of what you're saying. And I think just to connect it back to these, these points of human beings need truth, community and friendship and love. And I think those are very similar, but this social connection. Um, and we could have a bigger conversation on that, especially in COVID, especially in modern America. Oh, yes. Uh, but the third thing, the third thing is nobility. And I think that's, a, that's an important thing. Everyone wants to rise above themselves in a way. Everyone wants to be the best that they can be. And that's something that I think, you know, has been a big part of my journey, just wanting to be the best that I can be. Yeah. So, no. Truth, social connection, and I don't know, maybe you can call it greatness, maybe. That's just my, my view of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Yeah. Especially the nobility part. Like, go, go a little bit deeper in that. Like, what do you mean nobility and, like, greater than what you are? So I guess I'm, I'm skipping a bit, but well, a lot of go back, what, go back if you need to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think truth is this has been the starting point and it tends to, it's very interconnected with these three things, but I'll start with truth. Cause that's kind of been my main focus point. Yes. Go ahead. Truth, the struggle to find truth has led me to doing what I do right now, which is studying philosophy. And mm -hmm. that is you're studying the greatest minds in human history learning what they have to say about the human experience and entering into this, this dialogue, this conversation like you or I are having right now. Yeah. Except the beauty of it is the person doesn't have to be alive. It's written down. Or you can engage like Catholics do in this tradition where you go to mass, you read from the Bible, you read from 2,000 years worth of wisdom and treasure about what it means to be happy, about what it means to live well and why for the Catholic view, this comes from Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's, it's speaking to this core, core desire of human beings, which is to discover the truth about reality. And mm. once, once you, you do that, you engage with people like Aristotle or the metaphysics and things like, like we could, I think that's a discussion for another day because oh, for sure. that's, a, that's a lot. <laughs> but once you've once you have discovered or you're engaging in this idea of what is reality what is true what is false and how do we orient ourselves to it we reach this point of ethics yeah which is knowing that reality is the way it is knowing what truth is how do we live well in accord with it how do we live in accordance with reason which is according to you know aristotle and the other greeks it's how you live well. We live in accordance with reason. Yeah. And so that's where nobility ties in. Once you have the truth of what reality is mm -hmm. and you have a community that you're part of that is also seeing the same view, you're united in this common purpose, mm -hmm. nobility becomes how do I unite myself to that? How do I live well in accordance with reality? Man, that's, that's some powerful stuff right there. You're like, wow. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> You know, and it, it makes so much sense in this journey that I've been going on. Like, I feel like I've rapid fired this journey to God. Mm -hmm. 
um, because I, because I used to, when I was a little kid, I used to just read the Bible just for fun. No one told me to read it. I just yep. would pick it up and I would just read. Like everyone thought I was going to become a priest, but then, you know, life happened. And, you know, I, I fell into sin. Mm-hmm. I fell into that cycle of sin. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a punk, you know, I'm hard-headed. I'm, I'm very stubborn. And so God was like, damn, like I have to really like fucking kick this guy's ass. Uh, <laughs> I have to really kick his ass um, for him to turn to me. And I think that's what happened two weeks ago. It was just God I was just like, man, I've, give, I've been giving you freaking signs. You know, I've been giving you like treasures and you're just not recognizing the treasures I'm giving you. You're not appreciating them. So man, I got to kick your ass. And he did. I got my ass whooped, man. I like got it whooped. And I started having this inner dialogue. Mm-hmm. I think that inner dialogue is super important and kind of goes back to your nobility kind of thing, the metaphysics or whatever. I don't really know too much about metaphysics. Um, but I started, you know, seeing the word, mm-hmm. seeing God as the word. I mean, what's, what, what's the first thing in the Bible is I am the word, you know? Mm-hmm. And I see him in movies. I see him in books. I see him in people. Like I hear silence, you know, I'm able to perceive silence and what people are saying through their silence. And when they speak, I hear the lies they're speaking. You know, I feel like everyone, because they're so out of tune with themselves, whatever, you can't trust what people are saying, you know, because it's a lie because they're lying to themselves. You know, Um, I don't know how you feel about that. It's funny that you mentioned the first part of the Bible, this discussion of the word. If you, one of the things you learn in like, I don't know, I've learned in my theology class is looking at the Greek uh, translation, the original Greek of the Bible, it's an archai and hologos. So what that that means, I don't, I don't actually know Greek that well, but I know a few words. Uh And what this means is in the beginning. So arch, like archbishop, architect, it's this moving principle. Uh-huh. So it's something that leads. Enhologos, logos, logic. So the word isn't just a dialogue. It's thinking. It's, <laughs> it's like truth. In the beginning, truth orients the universe. That's literally, that's literally what it means in, the, in that part of the Bible is the universe comes to be because God is this omnipotent being that orders the universe according to reason. Wow. That's, 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 wow. That's powerful, man. Like, yeah, people have spent their entire lives just studying like that sentence. And it's insane how, how deep the amount of wisdom is in there. Yeah. And and this is what I've come to realize. And man, it's, when I tell you, man, it was scary. Like, like this journey up until actually, until I knew I was going to talk to you for some reason, like getting closer to talking to you, it was scary, man. It was almost like God was like, at nighttime, I haven't been sleeping. Like mm-hmm. I, I sleep, what, maybe two hours a night recently since I've gone out of the psychiatric ward, two hours to four hours. But I'm not tired during the day. I still feel rested. It's just at night, I'm just thinking and I'm like battling my inner demons almost. I mean, not almost, I am battling my inner demons. And they're like trying to 
you know, caressed me to go back to sin and kind of go back to who I was and kind of put me back to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned to just be quiet. I let them just talk. I don't let them, I don't, I just accept it. I'm like, this is who I am and this is part of me. And the best, oh no, continue. continue. Yeah, uh, well, and then uh, this is the last point and okay. that felt good. Mm-hmm. And that's all I know. One of the most important things that I've learned about like overcoming yourself and your desires, like if you know something's bad for you, but you still want it anyway, it's like, what do you do? The best thing that you can do is be silent and sit with it. Mm-hmm. You don't need to run from it because that it'll, that'll just make that like fear stronger and it gets your mind running in a circle. You don't need to like go crazy about it, but if you just sit with it and let it p- pass through you, that is all literally everything you have to do. Yeah. It's that simple and yet that complex. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's scary though, man. Like definitely in the beginning parts, like now it's kind of, it's fun. Now it's, it's fun to just kind of sit there and, and hear my inner self speak to me, yeah. you know, hear God speaking to me or however you want to perceive it as now it's fun, but like definitely the beginning. Oh, it was scary. Yeah. Um, it was a scary thing. And because, you know, because I was a hardcore sinner, I mean, I think I had to kind of go through all the things I disliked about myself to become happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like demons exist in all of us. You know, we, we perceive things as we want them to be almost. Um, I, I, don't, I just don't know. And that's me not knowing feels right. You know, yeah. exciting, not knowing. This reminds me of this. I guess this is some people have like a personal Bible verse that really speaks to them. And I think this has been mine and will probably connect to you as well from everything you yeah. said. Um, this was like my high school yearbook quote. It was, it was something I didn't even stumble upon except for there's a, there's kind of like a, you could call it a house of study. It's a bunch of people who aren't priests, but study scripture, study the ancient thinkers of the faith who get together and it's in Washington, DC. And for the 50th anniversary, I was invited to be like the lector. So I speak, I say one of the readings uh, for the mass that they're having there. And that center has been a huge part of my faith development because my dad was part of it. Um, I've been going to masses there since a li- as a little kid, but th- yeah. this is like, this is the, the verse. It's Romans two, chap- uh, chapter two, tw- Romans chapter 12, too. Yeah, Romans chapter 12. You just go to that. I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, your spiritual worship. Here's the kicker. Do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect. I think for every person who's trying to figure out what is truth, who's trying to enter this spiritual journey of self-discovery, discovery of reality, discovery of God, that's the core ethos. Yeah. Don't get caught up in the things around you. Trust that God is doing these things for your good and allow your mind to be transformed by asking for it through prayer, meditation, learning to conquer yourself really. And, ultimately this is for the good 
This is for your good. This is for true happiness. Yeah. Like, um, do you, how do you see God like in your everyday life? Like I, for me personally, I see him in numbers. In numbers. I see him in numbers. I see him in colors. I see him in words. I hear him in silence, like in everything, like Mm -hmm. certain numbers. Like I, I see zero to one, zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I see the foundation numbers. And for some reason, they guide me. And every time I listen to these numbers, good things start happening. Uh, People start reaching out to me. Um, Oh, dude. Okay. I forgot to tell you, this is, this is was the most transformative experience. So I watched this um, TV show called kingdom on Netflix. Um, and for some reason, every time like the phone would ring in the show, I would get a, I would get a message, right? And then it would tell me, answer your phone, answer your phone. And then I actually got, this, this was actually heebie-jeebies. I got a no caller ID phone uh, call three times. Mm-hmm. And something told me just to pick it up and not say anything. And so I picked these, I picked up these phone calls from no caller ID, no caller ID whatsoever. And it was just silence. And then it would hang up. And then it would call again. And I would hear it. And there was nothing being said. And then it would hang up. And that happened three times. And that's when everything started happening for me. Like, it was it was wild, man. Like yeah, that that does sound, that sounds pretty wild. <laughs> like it sounds made up, and I I, I like and whatnot. No, I don't I don't think I don't think you're making it up. You know, but that's what happened. It was the most surreal thing, and then and then I had my mental breakdown, and then it led me to psychiatric ward. Like right after that, those phone calls, that's when I had my mental breakdown, and, and that's when I saw the white light. And then I ended up in the psychiatric ward, just drained and nothing. And I think that was, I don't know, a way of me accepting God and whatever, you know, and it's how I perceived it. It might be a lie. It might be truth. I don't know. I mean, I think God gives everyone some signs and we just have to learn to listen. I think there are, there are different ways that people approach God. Some people tend to find it in, I don't know, like community service. It, it kind of depends on your temperament, right? Yeah, uh, and the church, the church, the beautiful thing about the Catholic Church is, no matter what your temperament is, there's a place for you in it. There are saints you can draw from. There are examples you can go to, and I, I'm more of like the bookish kind. You know, just I think thinking about higher parts of reality and you know, studying philosophy has usually been where I would find God because there's a moment where clicks and then all of reality seems to be just this work of art it's just like everything everything has infinite significance isn't that Um, beautiful yeah i think that's for people who are more on like the contemplative side there's such a beauty in that in being able to look at you know the ordinary things the saints for the most part like there's a trend the saints found insane amount of beauty in just these like tiny things like a flower on the side of the road uh a small bird you know flying by because they 
there was this intuition, there was this real connection to God is creating this. God's creating every aspect of this moment beyond what we can even comprehend. And they found such beauty in it. And I, I think that's probably where I would see him most is through meditation, which is just being present, yeah. being open yeah. to, to reality, and then finding the beauty of God in that. Yeah, that's, that's crazy, man. No, like, it, it, it's just, that's, God is everything and nothing for me. You know, I, I, that's why I'm able to see him everywhere. And then also, you know, shut myself off when I need to rest, because even God needs rest, <laughs> you know? Um, because I've realized, so through my speech impediment and my speech apraxia, my brain, kind of like your ADD, it just won't shut down. It just keeps moving. Yeah. You know? And especially, it's kind of haunting and it kind of sucks. <laughs> um, it's haunting and it sucked when I was younger and it sucked until recently because uh, I didn't realize that was a gift. It's a gift. You know, yeah. all our quirks, they're gifts. And when I was in the psychiatric ward, it's like every time I would speak my truth, they would just give me more drugs. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, I just, like, I can't sleep. It's like, here's a sleeping pill. It's like, I have an inner dialogue going on. It's like, you're bipolar. Here, take this pill. And I was like, this is, but um, this is weird. This is not my truth. There's something, there's something very, very, very important there. I guess there's two things that I want to connect to that. The first is this kind of back and forth between faith and reason. Yeah. You know, there's, there's these things that you're experiencing and it's not really, it's, it's hard to verbalize. I think from what you've told me, it's I'm experiencing these things, but they're hard to verbalize. They're hard to make sense. Yes. The important thing about studying philosophy and connecting what we experience as individuals to kind of balance it out. It, it's really a balancing act. If you go too far to one side, you can, you can lose yourself. You, I really think you can. There's a real fear of that. And from what you've told me going into the psychiatric ward um, and then fighting with inner demons, there's this real, there's a real danger to these kind of experiences. Yeah. And reason can help temper it. It can bring you back down to earth a little bit. It can take the experiences that you're having and then bring them into a bigger perspective. So it's kind of ordering it in a way. Yeah. And for a large part, I think people in the West, um, in modern America, we have a very, very weird disconnect. We're very much on the reason side and not on the faith side. Whereas you could take a society like the Islamic East, where it's kind of the other way around. It's the problem isn't necessarily that reason is wrong or faith is wrong. The problem is when a society is imbalanced, just like when, some, when a body has too much of one chemical, uh, it becomes unhealthy. If you eat too much of a certain thing, like you, you're eating all, all vegetables and you know, you're not giving yourself, your body what it really needs, it's gonna, it's gonna get out of whack. If you just sit on your couch and you don't exercise at all, yeah you know, you won't get it. You'll be out of, you'll be out of balance. Just like if you work out too much and you don't give your body time to heal, you'll be out of whack. Same thing. So healthiness is this balance between faith and reason. Man, you're like, you're like preaching to the choir right now, man. Like that's kind of what I've come to realize. I was like, 
they're giving me these pills, you know, let me, let me choose which pills are the right ones for me. You know, um, the one for bipolarness is the one I'm taking called the Bilify. And, you know, I've agreed, I've made a personal agreement that this is what I'm going to take. I'm not going to take anything else. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take the sleeping pills um, because I know, like, I have to be awake for some reason. And that's okay. Like, we're in COVID times. I could sleep as much as I want during the day. I can nap, you know, if I need to be up at night, let, let me be up. You know, why am I forcing my body to be something it's not? And yeah, you're right. It is a balance act. And I think I kind of got out of whack because I, I smoked a lot of weed and too much. And I lost respect for what that is, you know, mm-hmm. for me originally before, um, cannabis was kind of a spiritual experience for me, kind of like Rastafarianism, you know, how the Rastafarianism kind of look at cannabis as a way to kind of get connected to Ja. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how I perceived it. And for a long time, that's how I saw like my spiritual divine being was when I was alone and I would spark up and I'll just think, and I'd be sitting with my thoughts. It was my only way of like comfort through suffering because I was alone. I felt mm-hmm. very alone for a long period of time. And then it kind of became this like, uh, oh, let me do this for fun all the time. I'm bored. So let me do this. And I lost respect for it. Um, and then I'm like, now, what can I do? So now it's more like if I need to have my quote unquote mass, you know, um, then I go on a, a spiritual journey and kind of like the Rastafarianism, I'll smoke, but I want to be by myself and be alone with my thoughts and process everything in its own special way um, without other people's energies affecting mine. You know? Yeah, I think part of what I would criticize about Rastafarianism is... Go ahead, go ahead. I think I would, I would connect it to what does it take for someone to be able to sit in silence with thoughts? Because connecting, connecting to what I was saying earlier about, you know, Westerners focus too much on reason. Mm-hmm. Um, because we live in a modern tech, technological society, we are cons- constantly moving. Yeah. One side of the brain, the left side of the brain, as opposed to the right side. And there's like a lot of scientific research on this, but we have one side of the brain that we balance over, favor over the other. And that's a side that's constantly moving and we don't know how to slow it down. Yes. Whereas the religious traditions would use prayer and the mass, like you've mentioned, to be able to enter in the state of silence and contemplation, to slow down, to enter into this deeper, deeper engagement with reality. A lot of people in the modern day can't do that. So they turn to drugs because it's this kind of substance entering the system that helps your mind to slow down. The yep. problem with that is, bec- is you become addicted to it. And as opposed to a healthy way of entering into contemplation, meditation, yep. which I've recommended to a lot of people recently because COVID has, you know, taken our inability to relax and magnified it by like a hundred. Oh yeah. Um, like a thousand, two thousand. I don't know. It's like crazy. Yeah. yeah. Addiction to substances means that we are connecting our desire for silence to this material substance. Yep. But you're really freed when you're able to do it without. When yep. you can sit in silence for 10 minutes a day, clear out your mind, and you know, just kind of deal with everything that's going on. If you can do it without, you know, weed or anything related to it, that 
is much, much healthier. And I think much closer to connecting what we experience in that to reality. No, you're a hundred percent right, man. And I lost that respect. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, again, got addicted. I kind of just did it because I was bored. And that's why now it's more like, like once a month kind of thing for me, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's meant to be a spiritual thing, not a fun thing. It's more, I'm using it, you know, when I can't hear the silence anymore. And I'm like, okay, like I, I need to feed my spiritual self just a little bit, you know, it's kind of the same way with wine. You know, like one cup of one glass of wine is okay, but like two or three cups, you're pushing it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's again, it's this balance, and it's whatever. And I think that's where everyone's a little different is finding their their balance. For me, I'm still figuring it out. Yeah, you know, I'm still figuring it out. And that's that's the great thing. Um, you know, part of when people say, I think like you know, you've just got to figure out your desires. I I agree a hundred percent, but I think there's a part of that we tend to leave out. You can desire something and then you can realize afterwards, Oh wait, this was not a good idea. You know, I'll have have one more beer. You know, it's not that really big a deal. And then you wake up in the hospital and you're like, Oh man, what was that? The car crashed. You realize our desires are not inherently good for us we learn through experience and through growth what is good for us and from there we can grow from from that and grow closer to like i said living in accordance with reason to from our experience and from the tradition of traditions of others which i can get into what it is to actually live well yeah no like you're a hundred percent right man i agree with it um and everyone's journey is different. And then isn't that beautiful that everyone's journey is different? I mean, could you imagine? It's different, but it's different, but it's also the same. Yeah. Like that's, that's kind of how it's, it's, it's a duality. You mm-hmm. know, God is, a, is actually more than a duality. He's every perspective that every human being has. The way that I tend to see it is, I mean, I think you've used the example of notes in a symphony before. Everyone yeah. is playing a different instrument, but the music is the same. Yeah. Uh, you know, all these limited perspectives come together to fill, to have a, you know, a whole that one human being cannot on an, on their own, like even come close to understanding. And that comes, that's where traditions I think can come in and provide a lot of value. The Catholic church is very appealing to me because it's 2000 years of different perspectives coming together and building this picture, this beautiful work of art of what it means to exist as human beings in the world. And the best advances of knowledge in the scientific tradition, for example, have been like Isaac Newton said, standing on the shoulders of giants. Human beings aren't self-sufficient. We need other people and we grow from other people. And part of the question is, I don't think truth is what's relative. It's the amount of trust that we're able to put in institutions, in traditions, in our own experience that lead us towards living well. Okay, so now at the end of the day, you know, faith is kind of like a a bridge. You'll never 100% know if it'll collapse. And maybe you've had a bridge collapse under you before. That'll make it hard. You can have PTSD from that. But at the end of the day, you'll never 100% know, do you choose to cross or not? 
Yeah, and I think that's kind of leading into what the Holy Spirit kind of is for me. Um, it's it's that bridge. It's that trust and faith together. Like I see it as, you know, what our natural state, like what the Holy Spirit has been what named the Holy Ghost and the Holy yeah. Spirit. So I perceive the Holy Ghost as what your past is, you know, what is your heritage? You know, for me, that's my Mexican heritage. Uh, that's my Aztec heritage is, um, I don't know if you, you've looked up, but the Aztecs, when they were first introduced to Christianity, they actually interpreted um, Christianity in a much different way. And they simulated it as their own culture. Um, yeah. And for you, you have German heritage. So the Holy Ghost will show itself through your heritage. But the Holy Spirit is what kind of is the bridge that kind of connects all of us and is able for, for us to keep crossing. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about that? I think that that's really closely connected to what we were talking about earlier of what it means to be, you know, in the modern Western world. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I was talking about how the West can be more, you know, it's the secular reason side and then you have faith traditions. The problem is because the West is imbalanced, we have lost a great deal of these traditions, uh, especially in America. I have German heritage. I, I wouldn't say I'm German because that's kind of, I don't know, like my grandparents were, sure. Yeah. I guess my point is that we, that connects to our craving for community. Our search for the truth is informed by our family heritages, by the people that teach us language, because this is kind of a tangent, but babies, when they're born, yeah. uh, the babbling that you hear contains the potential for every single syllable in every single human language. The baby learns to talk because the parents are, through teaching it language, limit the amount of syllables that it can pronounce. And so you're drawing out order, a reasonable, understandable language from this infinity of just different, I don't know. We're just sound waves. We're just sound waves, man. It's just sound. Yeah. Waves. I mean, that's, that's, that's what reason is. It's this kind of order that you can understand from an otherwise insane noise wave. I don't know this insane noise and family is an important part of that we our understanding of truth just like our understanding of our own language comes from our parents teaching us it i think the family unit in america has been demolished yes unfortunately it's it's a great tragedy it's you know if you think about it it's like when you're 18 it's like your parents job is done Mm -hmm. you know and that shouldn't be the case I don't think that ever should be. The I case. think for, for most human societies, that hasn't been the case. You know? Yeah. It's unnatural. You know, you should be. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's some, there's something very unnatural about the, the Western world. Yeah. And man. I think just there's this craving for meaning that we find. And again, I think the three things that I'm pointing back to truth, community, and the nobility and how those three principles work together for a fundamentally fulfilling and beautiful and good human life. So this, this is where I see numbers, man. This is, I'm going to tell you, this is like how I perceive the, the three. Yeah. yeah, three. yeah. That's, that's not an accident. I, I think it's related somehow to the Trinity. Oh, hundred percent. It's not an accident um, whatsoever. Cause what I, I ask myself three questions every time I uh, mm-hmm. start a conversation, you know, am I free? Am I open? Is this person talking about we instead of I, and that's my personal thing, you know? Like, what, what I mean by saying 
am I f- open to this conversation? Like, am I actually open to this? Am I actually going to listen? Mm-hmm. And when I ask, am I free? Uh, am I free from my ego? You know, am I not going to project my truth onto this conversation? And the third one, the third question, is this person talking about we instead of I? Is, is this person, the way he's talking to me or she, is that really like, is that person including me in this conversation or is that person just talking about themselves? Right. You know, that's kind of how I perceive my Trinity questions. Right. You know, kind of like you similar with the truth, community and nobility, you know? Um, and I agree with you a hundred percent with your, your, your Trinity. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, man? Yeah, I think those are really important questions because when we enter into this kind of dialogue, what you and I are doing right now, we're in this pursuit for the truth. And that's something that isn't just individual. It's not like, Oh, I have my truth and you have your truth. And there's no underlying connection to which we can compare it because otherwise, how could you and I talk about things? How could we agree? How could we disagree? There has to, there's something deeper there that's true for both of us and true for, I would argue humanity as a whole because we're human beings. Yeah. And the beautiful thing comes from these discussions when they're done well, they enlighten both of us. We're both walking away from this, you know, with something more than when we started it, we're adding. That's in, that's insane. How are we getting like one plus one equals three? How, how the fuck does that work? <laughs> and yet, and yet somehow it's happening somehow. You, dude, it's, I, I, it's so funny you say that, man. I always scream. It's like the world's telling me one plus one equals three. And I'm like, it's not. It's two. Stop telling me it's three. Like, like I feel like everyone's just like lying to themselves, you know? Like, but through this lie, that's how you get three. I don't know. Like, I think you have to lie or hear other people's lies to find your truth, you know? But you have to be able to be strong-willed enough to know that these are lies. Does that make sense? I think it, I think it goes back to, to trust, how much we're trusting ourselves, uh, how much we're trusting the people around us to tell us the truth. And I guess just from, from what I've been, li- I've been listening to what you're saying. Yeah. And I think what you've been trying to grapple with is how much trust do I place in my own personal experience and the trust of others. So how much do I trust, say, the doctor to give me a medicine that will help me deal with this? Or how much do I trust my own experience that I'll get through it? Um, And I think it's an important balancing act because because human beings aren't self-sufficient, we can't know everything on our own. And if we try to go it on our own, we can, you know, maybe make it a little bit, but a lot of times we stumble and fall just yeah. like babies do if the parents aren't there to help them walk. Um, you know, we, we do have to trust others. And the question is, how much are we willing to put ourselves out there and to grow? Yeah. Because yeah. I, I don't know what your situation is with the psychiatric ward or how much you, you know, trust the doctors. But I would say, for the most part, like I trust a medical, you know, expert to say hey this is good for you and at least try it so let me let me tell you yeah no absolutely i'm trying it um i've come to realize that i do need help and i do need to you know take this medicine because there is a chemical imbalance within myself 
Right. And, you know, medicine will help with this balance, uh, chemical mm-hmm. balance. But this, this is where it got a little, little weird for me. Um, so I go to the psychiatrist and again, they ask me, um, like, do you smoke weed? I'm like, yeah, I do. Um, but I also do CBD. And they're like, well, it's the same thing. I'm like, no, it's not. THC and CBD are two different, different things. They come from two different flowers. And I was just like, the doctor is trying to give me a recommendation and he has no idea what he's talking about. That's where I had an issue. Okay. But at the same time, I was like, he has experience with people in my situation. So he does, and he's went to school. He has a PhD. So mm-hmm. I also have to listen to what he's saying, but I have to make it my own truth. Does that make sense? I think, I think you can make a mistake about something, but still generally be true. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I don't know that much about like the different types of plants with marijuana or things like that, but no, that's for fine. the most part, that's yeah, you, you know? I, th- I think it's something where you could have a conversation and say like, Hey, I'm a little unsure. It, generally, if you lack trust in something, the best thing that I've found is engaging Yeah. Um, yeah. rather, rather than turning away and preventing you know, further trust to be built. Cause if you, you know, if you, if someone messes up and then you don't talk to them after you're preventing the opportunity for trust to be rebuilt. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think I just never really had full trust with myself either. I think that was a big part of it is that I didn't trust myself fully. And I think that trust kind of uh, like self lack of self-esteem kind of projected onto whoever told me things. Mm-hmm. You know, so because I didn't trust myself, how could I trust others? Right. You know, and that's kind of what I've been grappling with. And now, man, I just trust God at this point. I'm just like, whatever. You know, I don't know. I don't you know. know. It's, it's funny because people who are encountering these kind of struggles, what I've, there's, there's been a real question among people who are very, very devout Catholics of, if I'm struggling with mental illness, should I take medicine or should I just trust that God is doing this and like, you know, just kind of <laughs> raw dog it. <laughs> raw dog. <laughs> yeah. um, but the Catholic, the Catholic church has taught, and I think this is a reasonable way to approach it. It's a little bit of both. Yeah. You know, like when it comes to naturally understanding how our body functions and the different chemicals, um, you know, I trust the medical establishment and I think, for somebody who's struggling with mental illness, it's not a sinful thing. You're not lacking trust in God. If you go to like a therapist or a psychiatrist or you start taking these medicines. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a dual thing. It's, it's your body and it's also your mind. You offer it up to God in prayer while trusting that the doctors he's placed in your life from what I, from how we approach it, uh, that the people he's placed there are for your good. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, again, kind of going back to the Rube Goldberg project, man. It's kind of like, these are not just a bunch of coincidences, and they were all meticulously placed. And we as human beings, like, it's kind of going back to the thought, like, of your own existence and philosophy, right? right? Just the fact that you have the thought, I exist, means you have to exist, mm. you know? And it's kind of like going to this Rube Goldberg project. It's like, if I can make a bunch of random freaking things for one simple task, then that proves to me that God exists. Because if someone of such a divine being exists, 
that must be child's play. You know, he does that, you know, going back to the child thing, it's just like, uh, he just sees it in the morning, like sunrise, sunset, and he's just seen billions and trillions of lives. And he's just like, oh, here's another person. Let me take sleep, place everything. And then I think he kind of gets pissed when like, we don't listen to our guts. You know, he's like, damn it, I just set this all up and you ruined it. Like now I have to do every reset it. I don't, I don't think, I don't think he feels that way. The, the best explanation I've heard about it is like a GPS. Uh, you know, God will show us the route. And sometimes for one reason or another, maybe we see like a McDonald's on the side of the road. We're like, nah, I'm not going to take the route. I'm just going to go to McDonald's because I want McDonald's. Yeah. Or, nah, I'm going to go this way because I think it's quicker. Like I'll get on the highway instead of the scenic route. Yeah, uh, and God gives us the free will, the ability to choose this. While also, as soon as you get off the road, He's going to recalculate. That's it. Like if you choose wrong at one point, it doesn't mean you've failed or you've fallen out. And there's no way, like you can be saved. He's just going to recalculate, and He's going to do that for infinity. I think it's, um, it's His humorous way too. I think that's kind of like for Him, it's kind of humorous. Because I mean, if we just, have just join humor, it, you know. Have you ever, have you ever walked dogs? Like, have you owned a dog? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a huge cane corso. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony, Tony corso. That's right. You, yeah, you've shown it to us. Um, yeah. I usually walk my neighbor's dog sometimes just because she's an older lady. And the dog will always, like, try to sniff and eat, like, the worst shit on the side of the road. Yeah. It's like, it's like dude, we have dog food for you at home. Why are you <laughs> trying to eat, like, the McDonald's burger that's just sitting there? And it's clear, like, some guy, I don't know, like, like it's not good for you, man. Yeah. Uh, we are the dog. The hamburger on the side of the road is the stuff that we think we want. And God is the person like, dude, we have dog food at home and it's better than anything that you could find on the side of the road. Stop eating shit. <laughs> but it's cute. It's it's like, you see that it's like, it's cute, but come on, let's go home. Yeah. It, it's, it's, and that's, that's kind of how God feels about us. I think. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just such a beautiful thing, man. I, I think I think that's all we know is that this is beautiful. And I think we're, we're kind of coming to the conclusion of everything. You know, I think we're kind of saying the same things, you know, God is humorous. God is omnipotent. You know, he's divine and he sometimes has to kick our ass so we could turn to him. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes we have to hit our rock bottoms. Um, do you have any like final conclusions? I do. So we didn't cover, I mean, well, we want to cover some more stuff. Let's do no, it. No, no. It's all right. Yeah. So essentially, this is kind of like, I, I've written down this title of notes, like religion in the modern world. And that's kind of gotten into what we've been saying about how people in the West don't have silence. We focus too much on reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think this connects to a craving for meaning that our ancestors had. I think part of the reason I tend to you know, love Germany and love studying about that so much. For people on the rugby team who know me, it's it's just like a running joke is because it's longing for a time where there was a strong sense of community, of mm -hmm. beauty, of place and time that I don't think is as present right here. And a lot of what happens, and I think a lot of our problems ties to this. Modern America struggles with meaning, with a tied place, with a sense of purpose. And we tend to assign that to, to different things instead. We make it political conflict, you know, my party versus yours. 
We tend to make it, you know, all of these different things. I hate a two-party system. I, I, I know friends, friends of mine that have both become fascists and communists. <laughs> they don't realize how much they don't realize how much they have in common. It's really just you're seeing the same problems of our society, but you're trying to solve it in different ends. And when it comes down to it, the conclusion that you have to come to that I came to is we don't have political problems. Our problems are much, much, much deeper. And the best way to, you know, kind of get through that is to return to the roots, studying the ancients for philosophy. I guess going on this journey of, you know, we understand here we are, isn't that great, but there's so much we can learn from other people, from other traditions. And the reason that people like Plato and Aristotle and, you know, the whole like dead white men joke, we keep <laughs> reading them because they offer so much. And if you're just pursuing that, if you're trying to read, what does it mean to be a human being? What is human nature? Mm. What is reality so that we can learn from it and then live well according to it to be happy? That's a huge thing. So that's reading the ancients, the philosophers, reading the spiritual masters. Now I favor the Catholic church because I think that has the richest amount of knowledge of wisdom of things that you can learn. There's so much there. Um, but if you were say Islamic or something like that, there is a great, great deal in, in other faiths and traditions as well. But the important thing is it should be connected to, I think your community. Mm -hmm. So again, like if your family is one religion, it would be weird for an Irish Catholic family to have one guy that suddenly became like a, a Buddhist. It, it's a little out of place. Because if you're not part of that community, it's like, there's a disconnect. Yeah, for sure. So I'm not saying like you have to be what everyone around you is, but I'm saying the starting point should usually be no, you're, where, you're, you, where God has situated you. And for you, X, that's been, I mean, looking into your Aztec roots. And I think there is also a strong Catholic tradition in Mexico. I don't know. Oh, dude, we're strong for your own family, but. Oh, what Latinos make up majority of the Catholic Church right now? That are yeah, yeah. Church. Um, like Latinos, like we're yeah, we're hardcore Catholic. But mm -hmm. kind of going to your 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 community, man. Mm -hmm. uh, so I switched my major to history. Did um, you? Okay. Yeah, because I want to understand the past to you know understand my future and my present moment. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, the Iroquois Nation or the Six Nations, uh, they had a prophet called Handsome Lake. And in this, Handsome Lake kind of had also three messages. Uh, I, kinda, I, I just learned it, so I'm not totally refreshed on it. But basically, uh, it made sense to me that women are the ones that should be making the decisions. You know, the big, at least for this is what makes sense to me. Um, again, this might not make sense to you or to the audience in general, is that for like big decisions when it comes to earth, to mother earth because mother earth is female and the son the father's son is is male it's the father right so any decision that comes down to mother earth the woman has to make right and for spiritual guidance um the father's son is the, what is the man's role right um, i'm going to connect that to a statistic real quick yeah so ahead. uh let me see if i can find it right okay so for growing up in a family, we've kind of touched on the family matters how much you're faithful. Yes. So 
if only the mother goes to church in American households, only one child out of 50 will continue being a faithful Christian or religious person as an adult. One in 50, just the mother. Just the father, two thirds, so 60% of their children will attend church as adults. Right. There's something real there. There's another th part of it too. If a child converts to Christianity, there's a 3.5% chance that the rest of the household will follow. So kid becomes Catholic, rest of the family, probably going to stay where they are. If the mother converts, there's a 20% chance. So you see a huge jump. If the father converts, there is a 93% chance the rest of the household will convert. Spirituality, wow. fathers matter for spirituality in a deep, deep, deep way. And I don't, I, I, I'm not really sure like how far you can follow down that, but it seems there is definitely something really I mean, deep about the human experience there. I mean, look at it. I mean, let's look at corona, like COVID situations, right? In different countries. Mm -hmm. I mean, prime ministers that are, are women, man, they're, they're rocking it, you know, like New Zealand, they're rocking this whole COVID situation. They've nipped it in the butt. And it seems like all the male leaders have been kind of, they've been lacking, man. I don't know. You know, I mean, look at America right now. We're one of the worst and the UK was one of the worst, you know, like, I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't know how much I would attribute that to the gender of the leader. Oh but yeah. No, no. I understand what you're leader. saying. I mean, again, this is, this is being general. This is a general topic. You right. Know? Um, I think, Again, some other people do better jobs. I mean, look at Andrew Cuomo mm -hmm. in New York. I mean, he kind of rocked it. I'm just saying the right people should be in the right places. But yeah, I think the important part about, I don't know, there's something I struggle with a lot and it's overgeneralization. Like it's really, really hard because you either get too specific, mm -hmm. you focus on one tree and you miss the forest, or you have the opposite problem where you see only the forest and you're kind of missing like how many trees are actually in it. That's the balance. Um, yeah. Balance. Yeah. It's, it is a balancing act. Yeah. You know, I guess, I don't know. I just taking us back to, we're in this situation where the modern West has some problems to oh, put it yeah. has some deep problems that are not going to be solved by politics and they're not going to be solved uh, tomorrow. You know, I what, do we, what do individuals do to move forward from this and to live well in spite of it? I've already said, you know, one thing, which is reading the ancients and the spiritual masters. Understand how other cultures have approached the human experience and learn from it so that you understand reality and live well. I think what you're doing with philosophy is, or with history is really close to it. I'd recommend philosophy. I think it's closer to what you're actually trying to do, but either way. So there's, you have, we should be reading and actively pursuing knowledge to kind of- And talking to one another. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like absolutely. This, I think it, this is just as important, you know? I mean, when I, when I brought up Handsome Lake and you, you were like, oh, wait, I remember this statistic, mm -hmm. you know? Like, Making those connections, yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's like one of those things. I think it's definitely important, like you said. I think we just have to go back. This is why the podcast is simple as complex, man. Is I think the com all these complexities can be simplified to like, let's empower the family unit, you know? Yeah, we, we, have to, we have to be able to draw out the simple things, the more abstract general truths from the complexities of life, while at the same time not making sure we don't get our heads stuck in the clouds, uh, get, try to make it like too simple and overly reduce 
complex things that kind of, uh, you know, contradict us a little. Yeah, and that's kind of how I see, I see life as a paradox, not an oxymoron. Because if you look at an oxymoron, it's just what, big, small, right? It's, it's simple, yeah. right? Uh, but a paradox, it's like a sentence. It's maybe two sentences. It's something that's profound, you know? I see life as a simile, not a metaphor. You know, simile is two similar-like things creating a more vivid picture instead of a metaphor where it's getting two things of opposite spectrum, of different spectrums to try to make sense of something. You know, I think that's wrong. Mm. You know, you should find the similarities and the differences and try to treat everything as a paradox instead of an oxymoron. And right. then it's how we get closer to what the absolute truth is and what the absolute lie is as well. Yeah, I mean, reality is a mystery and mysteries are, I mean, if you've ever read like a, like a crime mystery book, oh, yeah. nobody, like who, what kind of person reads the first chapter to figure out what the mystery is and then go exactly to the end to see who did it. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> the whole experience, the whole fun is going through, even though you don't know the answer. Life's a mystery. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you just like, if you just try to go to the answer in this like really, really quick way, and then you kind of leave it at that, that's, that's sort of taking all the fun out of it. And at the same time, it makes finding the truth, you know, not really as satisfying. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, the journey's fun. Mm -hmm. The journey should be fun. And yeah. in this fun, there's suffering. And you have to realize shit happens, man. I mean, yeah. and, but you have to realize that it's not a straight line. It's not a straight line. And when you realize that shit happens, it doesn't just happen for no reason. It happens for a reason. You yeah. Know? And our jobs as human beings, as spiritual beings going through a human experience is to realize why this shit's happening. You know, like, why is this, sh like, at least in your life, because mm -hmm. you're only in control of yourself. Yeah. You know, and I feel like everyone is trying to like, do these big picture things and try to be something they're not, but forget that the most powering thing and the most empowering thing is realize you have an infinite amount of choices. You know, you, you can make any decision you want, you know, mm -hmm. this world tells you one plus one equals three. You're like, no, like I know it's two, but also like if zero plus uh, two equals two, like I could still get to the same outcome, you know, is yep. that you, you have infinite choices and your job is to figure out why you follow a pattern. We have, we have infinite choices, but we also desire, you know, one, which the few things that I've said, which is truth, community, nobility. Yep. And that's connecting when I, I'm kind of, I've written down this part of the notes as the path forward, which is we're in this situation where things are out of balance. What do we do? Truth reading the ancients, reading the spiritual masters, pursuing what truth is and trying to understand what reality is. Second part of that is nobility, virtue, excellence. Once you've read the metaphysics from Aristotle, you move to the ethics, which is how do I live well? For me, that's exercise and rugby and being the best that I can as a student, uh, as a good friend. It's pushing yourself to your limits doesn't matter if you become like the the strongest guy on earth or whatever if you're pushing yourself that is the important thing like i'm not the i'm not the greatest guy in the rugby team and that's not really a secret but i don't really care i've been able to get over it because the important thing is you're putting yourself out there 
you're struggling every day, you're getting better. And I can say for a fact that where I am right now is leagues ahead of where I was freshman year when I wasn't even planning to do a sport. When I was just like, now nah, I'm going to sit on my ass and not do anything. No, I Owen John, the fucking man, came up to me is like, you should play rugby. I did it, and now I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> man. I and because of it, you and I met. Yeah, and because and we're having this conversation, put yourself out there. That's part of it. Just put yourself out there, man. Yeah, and I think that's such a great place to kind of end too for the audience. Well, there's there's one there's a third part of it. We've oh. talked about truth and nobility, and then finally community. Have families. Yeah. The family unit fucking matters. Dude, it's the most critical. Work on, once you've worked on yourself and you know what the truth is, find people with your rhythm. You know, mm-hmm. it can be partners. It can be friendships. Build those communities. Because this kind of knowledge that we're learning right now is a gift. And maybe our parents and our grandparents, because of the unique situation we're in, we haven't gotten as much of it. We're a little, we're, we're not anchored. No. You know, we're kind of drifting. But we still have some parts of our ancestors that are given to us and it goes down the chain. We have an obligation to our descendants to pass on what has been given to us. For sure. For sure, man. That's, that's, that's beautiful right there. So yeah, that's the three parts. I mean, that's just truth, virtue, nobility, whatever you want to call it, community, family, those three things are how you pursue a good life. And audience that's how we're in the kingdom of paradise this is not we're not on hell on earth this is paradise and it's nope. only paradise it's an you, yeah it's only paradise if you choose it to be paradise and so hey john i want you to go in peace brother go in peace go in peace thanks be to god thanks to be god thanks thanks to whoever however you perceive god to be <laughs> to the audience because they're going to see different but you are in the kingdom of paradise take care and take care Until next time, audience, this is Soaring Hummingbird, and I hope this helps with your sickness.